talk, big opinions, the panel. Yes, the panel is back and uh, Suzanne McFadden is on the panel this morning and uh, joined by Graham Beasley this morning and uh, radio Suzanne McFadden. I have it on very, very good authority. You were yelling at the television set during the weekend, which is a sign of frustration. Um, it's, uh, it's also a sign that you're disappointed about something and I'm led to believe it might have well have been the netball. Oh, my son needs to keep his mouth shut, doesn't he? Uh, no, truly, I, I was disappointed, um, especially with the English loss in the semi-finals. But really interestingly, I think, you know, before this World Cup began, I felt that we were sitting in about fourth in the world, and that is exactly where we've ended up. You know, it's we've made history by, you know, the worst performance of a Silver Ferns team at a World Cup. But, the, you know, there's so many factors that play into that. Mm-hmm. Look, Grace, Grace Wickie's loss early in the tournament, you can't go past that as one of the stumbling blocks that they had. Mentally, as well as... You know the physical not having her on the court, but mentally, I think the team never recovered from that. I just I know that they would have worked through scenarios of not having Grace on the court, but Plan B just didn't really just didn't really work. Um, you know there were breakdowns between the defence. The defence was excellent once again. You know we had one of the strongest defences in the world, but where we fell down was that connection between the defence when they won ball and then were trying to send it back down court for the attack to score off. It just wasn't happening. And I think that's just a lack of experience in the middle. We, our our midcourt has struggled ever since Laura Langman retired, really. And that's another point. You know, we lost a lot of very senior players from the last World Cup who were excellent at making decisions at crunch time, and that's another area where we failed. You know, we, those last five minutes of the last four games that we played were really when mm. we just didn't turn on the afterburners like everybody else, or, you know, we dropped the ball or suffered from um, a lot of offensive contact penalties, a lot of penalties against us. So while our shooters were really... Um, really, you know, getting the ball through the... I've forgotten what that word is when you get the ball through the hoop. <laughs> Transition. But, oh, goals. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, we were, we, we were lacking in those. You know, we... we um, the ball just wasn't getting to the shooters often enough, or when it did, um, they were losing it for really basic errors. So... A lot of work to do before the next World Cup. But, you know, New Zealand really goes in cycles with netball and we just don't have the player base that Australia and England do. And so when we lose senior players, it takes us, you know, a couple of World Cups to build up that experience again. So we're at the bottom of one of those cycles now and hopefully with some of the players that we saw played really well, but... It's just a matter of you know them them growing. They they're staying with um, netball, and hopefully we go back up to the top of the cycle again. 
next World Cup or the World Cup after. Well, then, Graham Beasley, I'm not quite sure if you uh, watched a lot of uh, Silver Fern games over the course of the last eight days, but uh, the common theme was they couldn't handle the P word at the end, and that is uh, pressure by the sound of things. Now, do you, how can you, can you coach pressure? Can you coach? And why, why all of a sudden is uh, Grace Wickey, who was uh, trying to get her uh, or cement her place in the side, what, about 12 months ago, why why can we not do without here, Graham? Yeah, um, uh, I've watched enough of the Silver Ferns, I guess, over the last 12 days. And the sign, and with the benefit of hindsight, the signs were there pretty early, really, weren't they? You know, the um, the struggle to beat Uganda, drawing with South Africa, um, losing heavily to Jamaica, and then, you know, it was just one one after another, really. But it got to the stage we're going to the third place playoff last night, and you kind of knew who was going to win, really. Um, and so on the positive side of things, it's good to see a, a, a country like Jamaica, you know, really, really lifting their game and, and, and being at the top table now. But um, very disappointed from the Silver Ferns, and particularly, as you say, the, the manner of the defeats and the fact that they just fell apart in the, in the final quarter and just all of those games, really. Um, you know, we, we blew a big lead against South Africa, for example, um, and then in the... In the final knockout games, we just sort of fell apart in the fourth quarter, so it seemed to me that we didn't really have our bench that well organised, but it seemed to me, I mean, against England, the first time we used a substitute was, was about three minutes ago, I think, um, mm. so that sort of seemed to be a bit of caution there, and maybe there just wasn't that confidence that we could go to the bench and use those players, whereas the other sides did have that confidence and probably used their bench a lot better. Okay, interesting. Uh, so I, I imagine we'd be asking the same question of any international coach of any side that uh, was disappointing. Uh, Suzanne, uh, I have to ask you, uh, is Dame Nolene under pressure for you or not? Well, she her contract ends in November and I think you know, she hasn't indicated that she will come back. I don't think she will. I think I feel that she'll you know, hand it on to a successor. Um but, you know, I do question some of her decisions, like Graham said, with um, uh, the substitutes bench. Um, I really can't understand why Karen Berger, who I would rate as our best silver fern, our best netballer in the country at the moment, why she was hardly used in the last game. Um, you know, she's, she's a fantastic player, great hunter of the ball. But, uh, yeah, the other thing was they just never really settled on a on a top seven. I'm sure that they knew, uh, Dame Nolan knew in her mind who the seven were going to be before she left New Zealand. But once Wiki was out of that, um, you know, they, they just didn't really have an answer of who their top seven was. And I think every player in the team got on the court in that last game which kind of signals to me that they were running out of options. And the reason why, you know, we rely on Wiki so much is her height and her, um, obviously her accuracy, but being able to lob that ball into the circle effortlessly into her hands makes a huge difference. We just couldn't find our shooters most of the time. Right, okay, let's uh, change tack uh, ever so slightly, in fact uh, quite greatly actually, Graham, to uh, uh, women's football and it has been the most attended 
Um, I think of all time, uh, the numbers have just blown FIFA out of the water. Remember uh, when um, Infantini said to uh, the world, Gianni Infantini said to the world or said to New Zealand, please, we need your help. Please come. Please support us. Um, And everyone was thinking, oh, this could be an absolute nightmare here. Um, And it's turned out exactly the opposite in terms of support anyway. It's been it's been quite the turnaround, hasn't it? I actually um, jumped on this morning trying to get tickets for the quarterfinal match here on Friday afternoon, um, Spain against the Netherlands, which would be an absolute cracker. Um, and, and and it's all gone. You know, I can't get any. I'm sort of I'm on wait lists if um, some tickets get handed back and all that kind of stuff. But you know, you can't buy a ticket for that match for. Um, love of money on a um, Friday afternoon between two neutral sides um, here in Wellington. So it's, it's just great the interest that's taken place. Um, having the States go out might lose a bit of international following. I think you know there, there could be a few tickets getting returned for games that the Americans expected to be in, but um, um, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't hurt it too much. And it's just been fantastic. You know, every single day, all that drama yesterday uh, uh, and last night with Sweden going through on penalties, um, you know, you can't you can't manufacture drama like a football penalty shootout, and um, it's just this tournament has just had everything, and it's still really only about halfway through. Uh, and as uh, I mean, we're we're really just getting to the really serious uh, end of it in terms of knockout phase. But I, I've got to say, Suzanne, I knew it would be big. Um, I knew it'd be spectacular. Uh, but apart from the, the fact that uh, we missed out on going through to the playoffs, I've heard very little negative talk about this tournament. It's really surprised me, actually, Smithy. I I was not looking forward to this tournament, to be honest. Um, but I've loved it. I'm obsessed with it now. I think I've watched more uh, football games in the last two weeks than I have netball games. Um, and I just... Love that drama. My God, last night's game was brilliant. And there'll be more like those. I'm really looking forward to seeing how far Japan goes in this competition. I think that FIFA have put on a really good show. Uh, And of course, you know, why would we doubt that? Um, You know, they do it all around the world and New Zealand and Australia, you know, are no different. But I'm really kind of proud of New Zealanders getting in behind this tournament and and turning up the games. What kind of cracks Mm. me up, though, is every time a team plays at, uh, or there's a game at Eden Park, it's a new record for games, you know, for crowds. But I don't know, where are they finding the extra tickets from? <laughs> because, you know, every time it just gets a bit big and it's like, oh, did you sell a few more tickets for this one than you had? So um, I, I'm just I'm just thrilled to see people really getting behind this tournament, getting interested, even though New Zealand are no longer in it. New Zealand had that perfect start and they got the ball rolling and it carries on like a snowball. And I can't wait to see who ends up in the semi-finals, especially the one here at Eden Park. Yeah, uh, honestly, there's so much good football to be played in there. Uh, some superstars around the world, some of who um, finished uh, last night. Uh, one of them was uh, uh, Megan Rapino and Julie Ertz have both already announced the fact that they're done in terms of international football on the back of that um, bowing out from the United States point of view. OK, Graham, let's uh, go again on uh, something entirely different, which is, uh, I think, very, very concerning. I, I love the Commonwealth Games because I love the fact that New Zealanders are standing on the dais more regularly than they do at the Olympics, for obvious reasons. Uh, But now on the back of Victoria country saying, uh, we're out, 
and uh, we're now hearing that Alberta are pulling their support for a 2030 bid as well. There's a trend here. Yeah, very much a trend. It's kind of ironic that you've got states called Victoria and Alberta, which are uh, um, you know, two of the most uh, uh, British colonial names you could ever get, really, if you think back a couple of hundred years. Um, so mm. even those states with such uh, uh, colonial names pulling the pin on the Commonwealth Games, I, I, I really think it's struggling. I mean, I think, you know, to find someone to step in for one venue could be done, but to try sort of the last minute to get two venues, you know, uh, um, cities or countries or whatever, jumping in and um, uh, rescuing two versions of the Commonwealth Games, I, I think it's really tricky and it's... Um, I don't know what can be done. I mean, maybe they need to look at maybe just having the one host for every games, but now that the Queen's passed away, uh, the Commonwealth Games, that relevant anyway. I mean, uh, they're relevant to the athletes, and, you know, it's great that they, they have that chance to prove themselves against some, some of the best in the world. But um, I think in terms of fan engagement and people really getting behind it, I think we're getting behind it when it's on, but in those years in between, it just seems to be losing its relevance, really. It is, and uh, for me, Suzanne, that's uh, a real pity because it's going to leave a massive, a massive gap in um, in athletics careers and uh, and and sporting careers. A, a big, big window just going to be closed on them. Yeah, and it, it it really worries me too. I mean, some of our greatest sporting moments have been at Commonwealth Games. Dick Taylor. Uh, Nikki Jenkins and Angela Walker in gymnastics, the Black Sticks winning in the Gold Coast, winning gold at the Gold Coast. And I don't know, I just wonder, you know, that, that gosh, it was going to cost $3.3 billion for Alberta to host it. And I'm sure that it would probably end up even more than that. But what if we go back to basics? What if we cut it back? I mean, we have added a lot of team events in recent years and I know that we're really good at them I know we love watching the sevens and um, T20 cricket and and um, netball but what if we took it back to a more you know an earlier time a more basic time and and you know the athletics are swimming um, I know there's got to be some solution here because I just don't really want to see it gone you know that's that it's a stepping stone too for our um, athletes every two, you know, to make that two years till the Olympics, you know, building up to that. And yeah, exactly. People that we wouldn't usually see performing well on the international, I'm sorry, on the Olympic stage, doing really mm. well at Commonwealth Games. It's great for our, you know, our young people to see those heroes. That's where I made some of my earliest sporting heroes was watching the Commonwealth Games. So I wonder if we just pair it back a bit. Oh, I totally agree. I, you know, looking at T20 cricket, I don't think it's got any place at the Commonwealth Games, to be perfectly honest. They've got enough competitions. They've got their own uh, way of... I mean, uh, the, window, the windows are scarcely enough anyway for, for cricket. Why, why do you have to have it at the Commonwealth Games? Um, yeah, and speaking of the Commonwealth, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. Um, at, athletics is uh, interesting for Graham because it looks like we're going to send a 19-strong team to the 2023 World Athletic Champs in Budapest, which are not that far away, actually. Talked to Tom Walsh about it not long ago. Uh, and uh, I, within those ranks, a lot of genuine contenders. Uh, I, I think we're going through a bit of a boom as we talk about the negative side of the Commonwealth Games. Uh, you know, the World Champs, the Olympics look pretty damn good. 
Yeah, I think we are. And I'm really, really looking forward to this, actually, because you're right. And it's more... Yeah, I mean, in, in recent uh, athletics competitions, we've we've had Tom Walsh and obviously going back before that, um, Valerie Adams, etc. But you know, they've been sort of isolated people. Here, we've actually got a really strong team, and it's both in track and field as well. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've tended to do well in field events um, over the last you know ten ten or twenty years, but now now we've got these track athletes in there as well. Um, and and I, I you know I I think it's really exciting, and I think that we can. Um, Follow quite a lot of, um, of the events um, at this championship coming up. And just before we go, um, Suzanne McFadden, because people have been texting in about the netball, here's a couple of names you might consider. Alia Dunn, uh, not there. Um, Peter Tuiava, not there. People are saying, why not? Uh, they... That was that came down to fitness in the end. Um, Dame Knowles was very strict and with since she's been coach about having a really high fitness level so that players could last through uh, a quick turnaround event like the World Cup and she felt that those two players didn't meet the fitness. Also, um, going against them is that they both only play one position on court. Peter Toyawa is a wing attack, Alia Dunn plays goal shoot and that's you know, another area that she looked at and said we need players who can play in more than one position. So that's what counted against them. Um, but, you know, I think they're very valid questions. Um, you know, maybe they should have been looked at more seriously. It depends what you put, where you put your priorities, I guess, as a coach. Mm, okay, questions to I mean, be answered. Yeah, I'd love to have seen Peter there. Absolutely, I would have loved yeah. to have seen Peter there, but yeah, it just co- didn't work combi- out that way. Combinations just didn't seem at the end of the day uh, to be there, and I find that... Yeah, uh, you're dead right. Uh, that's it. I mean, you know, when you're playing in world, world competitions, you know, you know uh, the, last, um, the last chapter of the game is probably going to be the most important. Uh, and we didn't handle that last chapter at all. Uh, we just uh, we put the book down. It's as simple as that. It's uh, ten twenty one. Thank you so much, Suzanne McFadden. You can uh, relax now. Uh, relax and uh, I don't know. You can yeah, and watch football. I, 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 well, relax yeah, and watch scream. football. Yes. Has your TV got ears? Does it listen to you when you scream at it? No, it never has. And can I just tell you that Kieran Bingham was screaming just as loud as me. So. Really? Oh, he didn't. He didn't say that. Okay, oh, we'll pass that on. Uh, Suzanne, thank you very much, and Graham as well for your um, uh, opinions this morning across the board. Uh, most valuable. Have uh, terrific days, the pair of you. It's ten twenty-one.